Welcome to The Rookie Physio, the podcast for physio students and early career physios who want to accelerate their journey to becoming a highly effective physiotherapist. I'm Nathan Mobbs, a physiotherapist and owner of Personal Best Physiotherapy in Wodonga, Victoria, and this podcast is a collaboration between me and Rachel Stevens. Together, we're going to unpack what life is really like after uni and help you transition to private practice with lots of practical tips, tools, and strategies. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rookie Physio podcast. We had such great feedback on our last episode, so please keep sending us your questions so we can make sure we answer them and help give you the tips and tricks for you to take into your career. So today we are talking about clinical reasoning. Why is clinical reasoning so important and why are we discussing it today, Nate? Well, clinical reasoning refers to the thinking processes that underpin our decisions, our decisions about diagnosis, about treatment, and also about management of our patients. So clinical reasoning is what ultimately leads to our patients getting better. Regardless of what types of patients you see, whether they're young or old, acute, subacute or chronic, you need to develop and hone your clinical reasoning. If we get lazy in our clinical reasoning, it shows up as our patients not progressing in their treatment and it can show up in patients getting frustrated with physiotherapy and eventually cancelling out of your diary. There is also a risk if we are getting lazy with our clinical reasoning that we could do harm to our patients. If we are not on the ball and collecting the information that we need from our patients and thinking about them critically, then we could actually miss an important diagnosis, one of those do not miss diagnoses. So it's a very important topic and I'm looking forward to um, getting into it today. Okay, so we know that clinical reasoning is so important and at uni, our lecturers are always banging on about it. So what are we going to learn today? Uh, Great question, Rach. So we're going to take a a really practical approach today. So I want our listeners to understand that clinical reasoning is not an academic thing, that it's something that we do every day and something that we need to be aware of. Now, admittedly, uh, I do like this topic and I like digging down into it, but that's not what we're going to do today. If you want to really dig down into the topic, then I suggest that you Google Mark Jones, who is an Australian physiotherapist based in South Australia. He has spent a large part of his career researching and teaching clinical reasoning. But today, let's make it real with five tips to sharpen your clinical reasoning. Sounds good, Nate. So what are we doing to kick it off? Well, first, and I'm sure you've heard, our listeners have heard all this before, but it it has to start with taking a good history. And you you must have a process for taking a history that reduces the chance of you missing important information. So this is where you need a form. You need a good form and your goal is to complete all sections. That can include the history of the current problem, special questions, the treatment they've had so far, Uh, past history, imaging, uh, their general health, and so on. Uh, All of that should be on a form, so it prompts you to collect the information. But my favourite area to dig into in the subjective is symptom behaviour. So this tells you a lot about what type of disorder your patient has and can help you really work out the exact problem that they have. So to use an example, 
Um, if we're talking about a patient that has low back pain and we're asking them about which activities or positions make them worse and we're going through that process and a patient is saying, well, sometimes it hurts when I bend forward, but sometimes it doesn't. And uh, sometimes I have trouble uh, sleeping at night or turning and sometimes I don't. Well, that sometimes answer is a really hallmark sign of discogenic pain. So if we are listening and we pick that up, then it will lead us to ask some further questions to really clarify what's going on. So symptom behavior, really important to get very clear about um, which activities and which positions uh, reproduce your patient's symptoms or problem. On placement, I have seen how important a good subjective is and how it guides the rest of our assessment and treatment. So good to hear that, Nath. So what's tip number two? Tip number two is really learning how to use the test, treat, retest formula. And so this is where we have our reassessment sign or our asterisk sign, and then we do some treatment and then we ideally we retest. Uh, what happens a lot of the time is, is physios don't do the retest. So that could be because they're a little bit time poor or uh, for a bunch of reasons. But if we don't do the retest, then we, we don't actually know what's happening for our patients. And this last step is where you learn the most. Um, we won't go into this too much on, on this call as we have a whole other episode uh, that our listeners can find. But just a reminder to our listeners, um, learn to use the test, treat, retest and um, do your best to get that retest done. I highly recommend any of our listeners who haven't listened or want to go back and check it out to do check it out because it is a great episode on test, treat, retest. So we're two tips down. What is tip number three? Uh, the third thing is to watch out for confirmation bias. So this is when we try and make something fit a pattern we already know by ignoring certain pieces of information or um, just not collecting um, certain pieces of information from our patient. And the reason that I bring it up is it's really common after we go and do PD. So we go and do a weekend course on something and it doesn't really matter what it is, but when we come back into the clinic the next week, um, every patient tends to have that problem. So every patient has discogenic back pain or every patient has a pelvic positional fault or what it, whatever it might be. It's, it's challenging when we go and learn something new to integrate that into our existing information. And we just need to be aware that confirmation bias happens and it tends to happen when uh, we come back from PD. So, so just being aware of it means that if you come back from PD and every patient has a medial meniscus tear for two weeks and then you're following those patients and only half of them are actually responding to treatment, you might just need to go back and have a look at the information you've collected, whether you do actually have a solid working diagnosis or whether you need to actually review that. Uh, yeah, great, Nace. So on placement, I've definitely seen that everyone with back pain will not present the same. Um, and so we all don't fit that same picture. So that's great to be aware of that. So at uni, they always are talking about evidence when it comes to clinical, clinical reasoning. So what is the evidence? Yeah, great, great question. And what um, we spoke about this uh, before we hopped on the call today, and we were really talking about how we use the evidence and also understanding the difference between research evidence and clinical evidence. 
there's a couple of important points here. And the first is that if we do have good quality research to inform our practice, then we can apply that research confidently. And this means delivering it to your patient confidently. If we've got a lot of research for a particular approach, um, then we can say to our patients that if you follow this program, there is a very high likelihood that over a number of weeks or months, depending on what it is, uh, that you'll feel better and you'll be able to get back to your normal activities. And then we have other patients where we don't necessarily have that solid research to inform our treatment. And in, that, in those patients, we need to use our clinical reasoning. We need to pull together the information that we do have and also use the test, treat, retest formula to guide our decision-making. And there's an important point that I'd like to add here, and that is that no evidence of effect is not the same as evidence of no effect. So if a colleague or a peer says to you, well, there's no evidence for that, then you need to actually ask whether there is actually evidence of no effect. So sometimes a lack of evidence is just that the studies haven't been done or perhaps the studies that have been done aren't of great quality. Whereas in a situation, if someone's actually produced evidence that says, well, quite clearly um, you know, therapeutic ultrasound has no effect on medial meniscus tears and the, and the study is good, then we can say, right, we're not going to do that anymore for those sort of patients. All right, so four tips. What's the last one? The last one is understanding the importance of review. So we, as physios, if we want to get better at what we do, we have to have some sort of review process. And often this gets left behind when we get busy. So if your diary is full, or we tend to miss this review process or it gets put on the, the bottom of the list of things to do. It, it's really important to keep some sort of review process going. And there's a couple of ways of doing this. The first is that if you've seen a patient for a number of weeks and they're not progressing, then that should be a flag to you to actually, when you do have some time, sit down and review their file. So do a summary from visit one up to wherever you are. Let's say you've seen someone for four visits and they're not really improving. Then actually just take, you know, sometimes just 10 minutes, sit down, what happened in visit one, what happened in visit two and so on. And as you go through this process, often, not always, but often, what will happen is that something will stand out and you'll realize that you need to go back and assess something or you'll need to clarify what happened after a treatment. And um, that process will often lead you to making good decisions about your patients and your patients appreciate that. And then the, the second way is doing a file review with someone else. So whether that's uh, an experienced physio, a mentor, your boss, and by doing some sort of organized uh, review process with someone else, it keeps you accountable to your, to your peers for your thinking and also helps you give idea, um, it helps you get ideas from other people. So if you're getting a bit stuck, it could be that you've just got a little bit of tunnel vision about that patient. And by talking about it with someone else, um, you might get a suggestion about something that you hadn't even thought of that's really useful and then you can uh, move forward with that patient. All right, there you go. We have covered our top five tips for clinical reasoning. So we'll just do a little recap. So number one is a good subjective history, especially digging into that symptom behavior. 
Number two, test, treat, retest, and you can find out more from our previous episode. Number three, being aware of confirmation biases. Not everyone fits the same picture. Number four, evidence, either research evidence or clinical informed evidence. And lastly, making sure you take the time to review your patient's file. We hope these tips will help you in your clinical reasoning when you're on placement or as a new grad. Thanks, Rachel, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Um, as Rachel said, keep sending us your questions. We love your questions and we love um, putting together content that is relevant and valuable for you. That's all for this episode. For any content related to this episode, please visit our website, personalbestphysio.com.au. Click on the Our Team tab and then go to Resources for Students. We love your questions. If you want to send one in, then just use the Contact Us page of our website and send us an email. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review either on our Facebook page or Instagram account at the Rookie Physio Podcast. Thanks for listening and catch you on the next episode.